when we get to the flood, I always feel like, oh, Noah and the ark. I know that story. Have you ever had that reaction? Oh, Noah and the ark. That's one story like I really know. Um, but I hereby nominate the flood as the biblical story that we think we know that we actually don't know. If there's a competition for that. Um, most of what we think we know about the flood is not actually the case. And so in order to even hear the story of the flood, to enter into what God is trying to teach his people through this flood story, we first have to get so much of what we think we know out of our heads. The first thing that we sort of have to clear out is, is, uh, is to not get distracted by all the animals. <laughs> I mean, we're used to seeing Noah's animals on wallpaper borders in baby nurseries, right? I mean, there's always two giraffes, and they're always grinning and kind of frolicking across the pastel colors there in the uh, wallpaper uh, border, and they're, they're super cute. Um, but, I mean, even though there are animals in this story, what they do is they show us that God's heart is so big. His heart to save the life that he's created is so extensive that it extends not only to human life, but also to animal life. And, and so the flood is not actually, though, a happy outing to Lincoln Park Zoo. Um, unless when you're on your outing, every single person inside the zoo dies. <laughs> Except for the few who came in your van. <laughs> um, so don't get distracted by the animals. Also, don't, don't get distracted, distracted by the big boat. boat. Now, now, the ark is huge. I was, I was reading online, and just to give you an idea, idea this, this, this building here that we're in used to be, it's hard to imagine now because it's so magnificent. It, I, tonight, tonight, actually, during the, during the uh, vigil, I had such a sense of this is why it was built. <laughs> Man, my heart was just so full. What a joy to be here. But anyway, uh, this building was a giant plastics factory, and it was built over many years in three different stages, and it's huge. And yet, if you took all the space on the first floor of this building and added on all the space in the second floor of this building, you would still be short of what the scholars estimate would be the floor space inside the ark. So there was plenty of room <laughs> to get all, get, get all the animals in there. Um, but uh, don't, don't get distracted by the size of the boat because the story's not really about the boat. And then last of the distractions is that most of us are now distracted by the Darren Aronofsky movie with Russell Crowe where uh, Noah becomes a homicidal maniac. I can't remember why he does that. Um, even in the movie, I thought it was really weird. I was like, why is he doing that? I couldn't remember, and I don't remember now. But he is becoming a homicidal maniac. And, um, and then there are all these computer-generated rock eaters, for any of you who have seen the film. It's kind of like watching a Saturday morning cartoon. But uh, in fact, the flood story is not even primarily about Noah. Now, Noah is an amazing human being. Noah is this profoundly righteous person in this profoundly evil culture, and so we should learn from him, and he's actually going to become a patron saint, I think, for the American church, but he's only the supporting actor. And the reason we know that is Noah gets no lines in the story. He doesn't say a word the whole time. God gets all the lines. And what you need to know about the flood if we're going to enter into it is that God is the principal actor. God is the lead actor in this story. And the role that he's playing is rescuer. 
and Noah is the man rescued. So let's first get clear on what exactly is it that God needs to rescue Noah from. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I don't know when it was for you that you finally just hit the emotional wall with these news stories about ISIS. Was it when they captured 75 Syrian soldiers and beheaded them? Was it when they tortured and killed American journalist James Foley? Was it when they did the same thing to a British humanitarian worker, Alan Hemming? Was it when they destroyed the tomb of the prophet Jonah that had stood for centuries? Was it when they killed those 21 Coptic Christians from Egypt? That's when it snapped for me. I didn't even need to read that they harvest human organs from their captives and hostages and sell them to make money. Because I now understood that what was going on was so consistently and totally evil, it is anti-human. And that is why 60 nations have now joined in trying to destroy ISIS, including virtually every Islamic country as well. And this is the situation that God is in. Now, most people, when they think about the flood, they go, well, how could God be so cruel as to wipe people out? Like, you just have, like, such an angry deity. Well, before we start to think things in our heart like, God, you are a cruel and capricious deity, well, I, meanwhile, am a warm and generous-hearted human being with the heart of a social worker, we could at least read the story. Genesis 6, chapter uh, 6 and verse 6. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. It's not angry. Yeah, he's, he, he's angry at the, the suffering that humans are suffering under living with evil people like that. But his heart is broken. He's a broken-hearted God. And now, now what? What, what does, he does he do? He had, he had this plan. He had this beautiful creation. creation. He put he human put beings on it and said, and rule in my image. image. Make it as beautiful, beautiful as you can. And now, now it's, it's gone, gone so, so bad. bad. They've, They've become, become so, so consistently evil. evil. There's, There's no, no way, way that this can be rehabilitated. And what God has to do with that situation is the central problem of the story. He's got really three options, as I see it. His first option is to turn a blind eye and just do nothing. Just let it go on. But God has too much compassion to do that. He could uh, wipe out every single person and just start over. Just get rid of every human and go down to zero. He created everything from nothing once. He can do it again. But God is God too is just, just 
to do that because when he looks upon the earth amidst all of these people who are corrupt and violent, he sees this, that Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. And so, so if, if he's, he's not, not going to turn a blind, blind eye and if he's not going to wipe out every single person, person is, is there, there a way, is there, is there some creative way, although it seems impossible, in which God could bring justice and judgment to those who have so corrupted themselves and been so violent to others, and he could rescue the lone man whose heart is set on God. I wonder... If someone here tonight is going to say, I'm going to follow God, I don't care what my family does. I'm going to follow God, I don't care what my people at work do. I don't care what my friends have done. I don't care what the people at my college do. I'm in. I'm going all the way. Because that is the person God sees and God honors. I was thinking about this sort of dilemma that God had of how to, how to bring justice to the wicked and save the righteous. And I was thinking back to an incident that occurred when I was a teenager. Uh, so probably a lot of you might not remember that. <laughs> but uh, uh, back in the day, um, there was an Air France plane in the 70s that took off from Tel Aviv with about 250 people on board. And it was headed to Paris. And it never got there. Because, because on the way, on the right way, after they had finished serving lunch, lunch two, two Palestinians, Palestinians on board the plane and two Germans who were working with them broke into the cockpit, cockpit and took over the flight. flight. And, they and they demanded that the plane be flown, flown instead to Entebbe, Entebbe Uganda, where Idi Amin was the dictator in power at the time and supporting what they were doing and working closely with it. And what, and they, what did they did when they got, got there, there was they went person, person by person and figured out whether you were an Israeli or not. If you were not, you were let go. If you were an Israeli, you were held hostage. You were taken hostage. And they told the world and the Israeli government that unless their demands were met, which was to have some Palestinian militants released, that they would start killing those hostages one by one. Now, you're the Israeli Israeli government. government. What are you going to do? If you don't do anything, they die. die. But if you try to rescue rescue them, they are surrounded by the planes of Uganda's Air Force, Force, Soviet Soviet MiGs and all that kind of stuff, which will try to intercept any mission and destroy it. So they tried diplomatic channels for about a week and got nowhere. So finally, on... The night of July 4th, 1976, it was actually our nation's 200th birthday, 100 Israeli commandos got into a transport plane and flew to Entebbe in the middle of the night. And this is what God decides. He decides, I'm going to rescue Noah. I'm going to create an outrageous rescue plan to get my man Noah safe. Along with his family, out of mercy to them, and with his family, even the animals and living things, God insists that there must be a male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive the earth after the flood. 
And so he instructs Noah how to build this special rescue pod. He says, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, and then construct decks and stalls and tells them how long to make it. And then you have this phrase that keeps repeating in the story. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Therefore, Therefore, chapter chapter 7, verse 11, 11, when Noah was 600 years old, the the rain, rain, all the underground underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 40 nights. And that that very day, Noah had had gone gone into the boat with his wife and sons and their wives. The only safe place is the ark. I don't know if you've ever ever seen seen what what some water water can do. do. When I was a kid, Hurricane Agnes Agnes came up the East Coast where I was living, and it didn't rain 40 days and 40 nights, but it did rain torrentially for four days straight. And we live four blocks from the Potomac River, and so as the storm started to lift about the fourth day, I walked down there and I stood on the Interstate Highway Bridge and I watched house after house float down the river. Big three-story frame farmhouses. Just, just going down this muddy, swollen river. But God has created a, a safe place for Noah. And it's in the ark. And the rescue plan works. In chapter 8 we read that the, wa- the land dries up. And God God said to Noah, Noah, leave the boat, boat, all of you. Release Release all the animals so they can can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. That phrase, be fruitful and multiply, is what we heard in the creation just two hours ago. And now what God has done is he's saying, I'm recreating. I'm starting over with the righteous man, Noah. I'm starting over with his family. I'm starting over with the animals that were saved in the ark. I'm recreating and I'm asking them to be fruitful and multiply. This is a recreation. So I've been thinking about how to apply this. I've been thinking that our lives, meaning your life and my life, are a lot like the world at the time of Noah. There's so much good that God, the Creator God, has put in us. There's so much that, that is, is the, the potential is just amazing, and yet our lives are, are, are taken hostage by, by sin and death and evil, and, and, and we've collaborated, you know? And, 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 and so we all have these patterns in our life that are so self-destructive. And in our better moments, we even, we even know that. But do we stop them? I mean, we, you know, we go right back to them. And so how does God rescue us, this good person that he's created, and yet destroy these sinful patterns that are threatening our very lives? How, do, how does he, he kind of surgically extract the good while, while utterly obliterating the evil? And he does it by... Creating a rescue pod out of wood. And then when you and I are baptized, the Apostle Peter says, we enter into the ark. In First Peter, it says that in the ark, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And the water symbolizes baptism. 
that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A God whose heart is broken when he sees the evil in our lives is a God who remembers us and he comes to rescue us. And he's given us new life through Jesus Christ who takes the flood of judgment upon himself. On Good Friday, all the waves and billows come upon Jesus Christ that should have been ours. And you and I are, being, are baptized into Christ and we climb into this ark of safety in which we are, are kept safe and then become part of a new creation, a new family. It's called the church. A whole new world of righteousness that God is building on. He remembers us, and he created a way out. In about seven hours or so from now, we're going to gather with people who are doing just that. They're going to stand back there at that font, and they're going to get in to the only safe place from the judgment for sin. Only place where you get delivered from the presence of sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin in your life. Where the Holy Spirit is poured out on you and suddenly you're made righteous. And your heart longs to be like Noah, who obeyed everything the Lord commanded. Get into Christ. Go to the ark. Go where it's safe. God's heart is to rescue you, and he's made the way. Get in the ark.